It's Morning Radio TVD. This week on the program, is this the end? Is Josh stepping away from Morning Radio because he has more important things to do? Is this the final episode of Morning Radio TVD? Find out on the program. Here we are with DJ J-Rig and the Lead Pipe Cipriani. I'm over here with just like perpetual gasp face because I had no idea this might be my last episode with my co-host. You were clutching pearls. So. I was I was pearl clutching hardcore there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. So I would this was absolute shock on my part. Well, because uh New Zelda's out, buddy. <laughs> That's right. It is. It New is. Zelda's out. I am uh we are recording this on Monday, May 8th, uh, yeah. a little bit further out than our usual it, it recording is. for this. It is, and so we might not be as like, I'm going to give the NPR pitch. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. No, things will have changed. Things, you know, <laughs> a that's, lot. It's, it's true, yeah, especially the pace the fucking news cycle is moving. But, we uh, can't keep up. No, no. But as we all know, uh, Tears of the Kingdom drops May 12th. Yes, has dropped by the time you're by listening the time to this, folks. Yeah. And so I am uh, so far down the rabbit hole by this point. <laughs> uh, you are listening to me from the past. Yes, and and you're you're going to be you're going to come into the I guess the the episode that'll release. So this one will go out on uh, the fifteenth. So I guess by the time we get to the episode on the twenty second, you'll be raging about all of the the fusing that you're like trying to do, but like the propeller won't stick to the tree, so that you can beat a Lionel to death with it or something like that. I you know. Oh yeah, you you. Reality is, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not done with the podcast. Uh, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah. fun to do a bit. Like I have no time for this anymore. Uh, for the next three months, I'm just balls deep. You're just in gonna the kingdom. be. Uh, I've said goodbye to my family. Uh, I had to, I had to convince my wife that I was cheating on her just so that she could divorce <laughs> me and I wouldn't have to deal with anything. But tears of the kingdom. <laughs> Haven't thought much further ahead than that. Uh, it reminds me of a meme that I saw a little while back um, that was uh, it was a text exchange between two people um, and the the guy was asking, hey, babe, can we break up for like two hours so that I can listen to this album as though I were single or is that out of pocket? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I need I need my time. I mean, Hyrule's a big place and it's only getting bigger. Yeah. God, do you remember Hyrule in OG Zelda? Yeah, just just rocks and dirt and rocks and dirt, cacti, and in in some kind of a strange way, uh, it it had to me it had a little bit of the the quality of the game missed, where it's almost so empty and devoid of life that that like you have serious questions about what's going on here, right? Like I, I think one of the cool things about the game missed that I liked was that um, there's no danger really in the game. But there's so much emptiness that it, it, there's this clear feeling of something bad happened here, as, and you're kind of like opening that puzzle box up. And the original Zelda, Hyrule was a wilderness. You know, like you said, it was rocks and it was trees. There was a waterfall if you knew where to look. Uh, but other than the monsters living there, like there's no towns or houses or like the original Zelda was kind of an austere place. There's like two shops. Yep. There's an old man. Uh huh. And uh, a bunch of secret chambers with apparently good guy moblins. 
Take <laughs> yeah. this dope ass rupee. Don't tell anyone. Don't don't tell anybody I got, about. I got this. a street rep. I got to maintain. And then there's a bunch of old men that are just kind of like they're just sort of jerks, and they uh, they steal your money for burning down their the, their front door. Oh yeah, there's a couple of those moments where you're like, oh, this isn't a great secret at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it very uh, Luke. Oh, I can't remember. We used to work at the backlot tour with him. Um, I just I I, I remember oh, the yeah. the sequence that he did for the Orlando shows. That's not tasty at with all. The battery acid <laughs> yeah, <chili. laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, there were th- there were those kinds of secrets in the original Hyrule. But I mean, you're you're also talking about a Hyrule that fit on an eight bit cartridge, and now we're talking about a game that's sixty four gigs. Uh, I think is it only sixty four? Might be a little more than that. It might be bigger than that. Yeah, but uh, it's looking great. But yeah, I'm pretty sure when I come back, the next episode is just going to be being like this motherfucking game. I died on the fucking tree branch when the <laughs> just 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 raging, just raging. Yeah, it's going to be a very expletive filled episode. Well, I, I mean, some of the some of the new mechanics that they're introducing, I like. I I just I, I do wonder about like how much more the game is going to fundamentally be introducing um, because. Like the idea that you can fuse objects together, and there are more like electronic and mechanical things in the world, so that you can like you can build engines, and there's like little, you know, helicopter rotor blades. Like I'm, I am legitimately trying to picture battling uh, a Hinox at eye level because you have built a machine that allows you to approach it at eye level. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I'll have to wait till I'm like actually playing it. Yeah, and have some sort of decent amount of strength to play at a not frustrating level <laughs> uh, i mean i mean I, i'm always in it for the story though. sure like zelda stories are just phenomenal well so so that's interesting what what was your opinion of breath of the wild breath of the wild was really cool it was it, so different it was a weird departure i like that you are recovering your memories like some sort of medieval jason bourne yes Uh, you're like i have no idea who i am (laughs) i Uh, have a unique set of skills exactly um i would argue that that is the story lightest zelda of all the games uh well no the story lightest would probably be zelda one that's true (laughs) that's that there there's there is nothing beyond go fight ganon here's a find your way to go find the princess yep save her from ganon and she is Mm. Literally hidden in a cave that you like. I do wonder how people solved the original Legend of Zelda. Like, yeah, you just get lucky. It's like, uh, what happens right. if I put a bomb right here? Nothing. What about right here? Oh, hey, it explodes. Well, look at that. I found my way into the last level. <laughs> Shit, still have a wooden sword. All right. Well, yeah. Probably a little early for me to be here. <laughs> you know what, bad guy? I want to come back uh, are the uh, Iron Knuckles. Oh, yeah. I hate Iron Knuckles. I everybody hates Iron Knuckles, but they're a dope ass bad guy. I they, they're a staple. Like they've been around forever, and uh, when they're done, they're pretty terrifying. When they're done right, they're they're pretty terrifying. Yeah. Uh, there was a Twilight Princess manga that just uh, manga just fin- a Japanese comic just wait, wait. finished uh, <laughs> publishing like the full story. <laughs> And apparently they've done that with a few of the games. They've they've created a uh, adaptation that you okay. can follow, and they get to like they flesh it out and everything. I'm like, 
I gotta find this. It's not in the library. Really? Yeah. F this public library. Dude, don't do it. No, don't. No, no, no. I've, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Full no. circle. I've gone dark side. You can't. You, they if, don't have. They if, don't if, have my books. Well, then maybe fund them better. Then they'll have your books. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're only. They, they only have enough money to buy so many books per year. If 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 your Legend of Zelda manga isn't there, man, you, you got to give them more money. It's way too many Ma- My Hero Academia copies. Get him out of here. <laughs> my Zelda. Uh, that's too. I actually, I, I legitimately did not know that you could get comics from the library. Yeah, man. So many trade paperback novels. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's the thing. Like, I, 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 you know, fish around in the fiction section all the time, but I, I I'm clearly not like getting outside of my, uh, my realm that I know well in the, in, in the. Uh, library, like the, the the fact that I didn't, I had no idea you could get. I mean, I, like magazines and periodicals, I knew, but yeah, that, that that's a new one. I've discovered it's very difficult to get a hold of the newspaper. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, digitally, um, oh. there's a lot of red tape involved. Yeah, which is stupid. But there is a way to like go through the website database and pull up the newspaper, but it only be it's like read only, and it's like for that day. It's it's just very complicated to get to. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. I mean, I, I guess it, it kind of makes sense. Like, I, I feel like um, newspapers, and and this goes back to just the changing media la- landscape of of you know the the modern world. Newspapers are becoming prohibitively expensive. Like, I, you know, I I don't fancy the idea of, of spending five bucks on a daily newspaper. Um. And, it, you know, it has to do with, like, the, the cost of printing, the cost of paper, but also the fact that newspapers just don't have as much supporting them as it is. Like, you know, like anything else, they used to be ad-supported. Those ads have moved online. And uh, so they have to pass those costs on to the customer, which means that, yeah, newspapers are more... And I, like, it's funny. This is kind of an old man thing, but, like, the older I get, the more I'm like, you know... It'd be nice to not be staring at my iPad to get my news. I, I wouldn't mind going through a local newspaper. That's just a aesthetic thing. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it, it, that. In my opinion, is like I I like getting a newspaper, but that's because I can read the news, look old as shit doing it, and <laughs> in my big chair, you know, uh, rustling the paper. Exactly. But then when I'm done, like I save it for arts and crafts shit or of course stuff I may actually need newspaper for packing material if if your shoes ever get wet newspaper is the way to go yes here's what's frustrating though so i go was getting it. the paper for a little while okay orlando, orlando sentinel the sentinel yeah out. <laughs> and what would frustrate me were the amount of errors in articles factual errors or typographical errors grammar grammar okay just and not well like, written you should be better than this. Well, here's the thing is I'm pretty sure they run it through a spell check or some sort of like there's not a person proofreading. I would think they'd have to. Yeah, there's just a person spell checking or a computer spell checking because like the word is correctly spelled. It's the wrong word. Or it's, it's the, the wrong, wrong version. version of the Got word it. or something. And I'm, it would happen all the time. You know what, though? I guess what stuns me about that is the... Like rudimentary spell checks, like especially back in the '90s and early 2000s, yeah, they're not going to catch that. They they know if the word is spelled correctly. They don't know grammatically in context if it works. Like I use Grammarly to uh, hashtag not sponsored. 
Um, but I, I use Grammarly to do a lot of my editing, spell checking, and uh, like grammar checking. And it does know the difference. And so like in the back of my mind, I'm like, the editorial staff for the Orlando Sentinel can't spring for a $30 a month subscription to something like Grammarly to <laughs> to check the, the Sentinel. I, I don't know, man. It, it, newspapers do struggle, and that's why more of them get sold off to these bigger like hedge funds and yeah uh, firms that are they're not news organizations right some of them they're just financial interests and it, yep. like any sort of big financial interest it's like well where can we uh, you know streamline and cut costs and do everything and the quality of your journalism suffers and I know we're not the first person to say this I, I'm parroting sure. what's what's come before me from people with more of a reach but it's the death of local news is been long and painful yes it's a big problem i, I mean e- even down to like what local news stations like your your local like news tv station more than likely is not actually local it's a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a subsidiary and like there've been some really frightening montages that people have put together of local news stations from around the country all reporting the same story with literally word for word, you know, beat for beat. The inflection is even identical. And it's because it's a story that's been handed down by their parent company. It said, you will report this. And so it's not really serving the community anymore. It's serving a financial interest in some faraway office. And so, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's weirdly fascinating. Uh, you, if you have a, uh, if you have a cable provider, if you happen to still do cable mm-hmm. and like someone like Spectrum, uh, you have a cable news channel that right. is your local news. Um, like I'm in Orlando, so it's Central Florida, a little bit of the uh, coast. Uh, Tampa has Bay News 9, which covers like a good chunk of the Gulf Coast right there. Um, and it is local news reporting and it's super repetitive every mm-hmm. half hour. Because there is only so much news to report on a right. 24-hour cable news channel. Yes. Um, but it should be, in a sense. It's like, this is what is happening in your community. Right. And here's what's happening in Florida in ways it affects your community. And so on and so forth. Yeah. They're Even lucky in f- because they're backed by a cable company, like a big cable media conglomerate. Right. And this is actually really interesting. Um, I think that we are, uh, uh, even the writer strike aside, I think we're about to see a a massive fundamental shift in the media landscape um, within the next year or two. Not because of like, you know, just the changing times. I mean, obviously, of course, because of that, but also because a lot of cable providers are about to renew their contracts with legacy media channels. Um, like those contract renewals are coming up over the next couple of years. And uh, more and more, those legacy, especially legacy news stations, don't offer the same value proposition to cable providers that they used to. You know, they're like the the ad strength um, just isn't as strong on cable television anymore. And so there's a lot of questions around like, what will those contract renewals actually look like? And what is going to be the the downstream impact of all these, you know, what we, we think of as like, yeah, I'm talking about like NBC and CBS and MSNBC and, and Fox News Entertainment. Um, you know, they all of those 
will be forced to change in some way or another because they're not going to get as good of a contract as they did in the last decade since they just they don't offer the cable companies the same kind of value anymore. Well, that's why it seems like every production company has their own streaming service now. Agree, because they're trying to avoid that. And it's very painful. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, the, the, some of them are just awful. Like CNN Plus, one of the biggest, like, unbelievable failures straight out of the gate. I feel like people should know, like Google should have taught them, don't add plus <laughs> to the end of your brand. It will not go well. Like Disney's ostensibly doing great, but Disney Plus loses a lot of money. Disney Plus does lose a lot of money. Yeah. And, I, and I, if I'm, Disney Plus can't turn a substantial profit, then why should anyone else try? Well, and the, it, to me, that's so startling. And I, and I, I like... I think it just fundamentally points to the what used to be considered, uh, not to overuse this fucking phrase, but what used to be considered a value proposition in the streaming era has become very much an albatross around um, the, the necks of like Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and all that is that it's the drop in and out service, right? Like they think that when a subscriber signs up, that's like revenue that they can just count on to be there month after month. But I think especially younger generations are getting a little more savvy that like, you know, I'll pop in for a couple of months, I'll watch content that I've I've missed out on, and then I'm going to cancel that subscription and like rotate into another one. Like that is increasingly becoming, it's, it's, there is so much churn to use an industry term. There's so much churn among those streaming platforms that none of them can figure out how to correctly monetize. I think what's going to happen next is you're going to see, um, Streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus go to a model of it's $5 a month, but sort of like Xbox Live, you have to pay it all up front for one year, right? Like you pay 60 bucks. That way they know they have you captured for the next 12 months. It's revenue that they can depend on and uh, you'll move away from month to month uh, subscription services. Well, if Netflix is going to do something like that, then I need to know exactly when my new season of shows are coming. You can't just be like, oh, it's been renewed for another season. Great, when? Exactly, and that's part of the problem. That's why I think people won't, like, really will push back hard against that because there is so much content that rotates in and out of the platforms themselves that people are like, I, I'm not going to pay for a year when I have no idea what you're actually even going to put in front of me. Exactly, exactly. And we, we have a release date for Witcher Season 3, what I'm calling... The, the last season of The Witcher. Uh, it might be headed that way. Uh, Ragnarok, I know, is coming, but I have no idea when. Uh, Sex Education Season 4 is coming. I have no idea when. Like, I, I have certain shows that I'm like, these are what I will still come back to Netflix for. Right. But in the meantime, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care what's <laughs> yeah. on here. I don't really care. I, I, I feel like I have not really cared about Netflix I mean, I haven't. I actually haven't had Netflix in um, years now, but I remember. I, like, I re I still remember the good old days of original Netflix. But now this is when it was the only game in town, so it was much different in that in that time period. Um, and it was, you know, a flat ten bucks a month back then. And uh, I I don't know now. I'm, now I'm just like being wistful for an era of the internet that was literally six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. Ancient it's, history, my friend. But seriously, in the in the internet age, that is ancient history. Basically, everything that's pre-pandemic is like a whole different world to me. It really is. It's funny how that is like a 
like a pivoting point in human history. Yeah. It's just the the world was completely different then. It, and, it, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and how much of that was confluence of just general world events that all led up to this one kind of pressure point? Because I, I think I would argue that even if the pandemic had not happened, we would still be living in fundamentally a different kind of timeline. But the pandemic really accelerated a lot of things. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's an odd nexus. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of weird. Um, I, we, we fired up Netflix last night to watch okay. Murder Mystery 2 with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. How was it? Uh, we're partway through it. We, we, mm. We're old enough we can't watch a whole movie in one setting anymore. It's very <laughs> uh, we were exhausted, but we, we fired it up and watched the first little bit of it. Um, the movie's super, like, it's a pretty mediocre movie. Like, sure. It is. Like, these films are pretty mediocre, but they look like yeah. they're having fun. Okay. And just doing their thing. But we fire up Netflix, and uh, first thing Netflix says is, it's like, oh, hey, if you want to upgrade to, like, the ultra high def experience and and all that you can it's only another like four dollars i'm like fuck you right like are you that hurting for money i with all your millions of subscribers across the world (laughs) that you have to throttle the uh resolution experience voodoo voodoo yeah nine times out of ten the standard definition costs you the same as the ultra high def and you're really only limited by the capability of your device yeah I, I, and this this is something that i i was reflecting on uh this weekend actually um talking about uh <clears throat> the nature of video games and video game I was, I was explaining like some of the different console generations to my girlfriend and uh i was thinking about how like we're starting to see what the next unreal engine is going to look like and it's mm-hmm. so it's so unbelievably like it's so it's so hyper realistic that it almost defies the imagination right it, like it looks like you're playing a movie um but what i realized like the cynic in me very much was asking okay but what's the game going to be right like what's what's the actual play experience and and i'm increasingly wondering this with with movies what does the ultra high def imagery what does that add to the experience what does it add because if if the movie fundamentally isn't there, then it might look pretty. It's you know, but I'd rather then go to an art museum. I know that's really like nerdy to say, but like <laughs> if all I'm gonna do is look at something that's visually striking, then yeah, I'm gonna go to an art museum. I'm not gonna sit you know for two and a half hours and watch. Uh, I, I anyway. So yeah, I, what are what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that the ultra high def is something that is actually a selling point to people or do you think that like this race for graphics is missing the point well i do a little both i I think it is absolutely a selling point for people because uh once you get used to looking at things in a certain Mm -hmm. definition when you go back you go oh this is shitty (laughs) (laughs) they should up res this um like the the jump to uh, Blu-ray and and 4K was right. huge for certain things. Yeah, uh, I remember. So I'll I'll use my favorite franchise, Lord of the Rings, as an example. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, original trilogy, was not shot 
in you know super high def like right whatever stuff yeah uh, beautiful movie visually striking wonderful. unbelievable yeah uh, you go and watch the first hobbit film yeah uh i say the first hobbit film because that one is actually decent whereas i don't really have a lot of patience for the other two i completely agree um and you're struck the the visual difference is striking yeah um it is the technology is updated. The colors are so vibrant. It's incredibly detailed. You're ostensibly, you're in the same world. Yeah. Um, but there is a marked difference in the visual quality. Even if you're looking at the, you know, 4K up-resed yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know, now, you know, you, you can tell a difference in the quality of the picture. So, it, But it doesn't matter right. to me because one's got to just altogether put put together better than the other no question um and uh, the 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 most modest of pushbacks or, or maybe just a challenging question do you think any of that has to do with the the overall art direction because the lord of the rings as a story is a much darker more austere more um trying tale whereas the hobbit is much more of a fairy tale and so do you think any of it has to do with when they were making, or do you think that this didn't even come into like the, the, the creatives heads where they're like, well, this is a fairy tale. We should make it more colorful. Oh, in terms of like the color palette and the vibrancy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, but there's just, just the pure, um, picture quality sure. though. Is, yeah. Is very different. You know where I, I noticed it did cross the line was in the second Hobbit movie. Like the barrel scene. I was like, this looks too realistic like it's now gone into that sort of like uncanny valley valley like the sheen on it was just like mm-hmm. i was like there's something weird about this um and i and i mean that that might have just been because i was just not in the second hobbit movie the same way like you said i think i think you could look at it more critically because yeah you're not as immersed in the story yeah a hundred percent because i agree i think an unexpected journey is actually a pretty fabulous little movie um it takes some liberties but you know it doesn't it, it's not the worst thing in the world uh, whereas the other two get increasingly less engaging. Yeah. In terms of games, yeah. Um, it it absolutely depends on the gameplay. Yeah. Uh, I and I think there was such a push for so long in the the aughts. Yep. And even a bit in the in the teens, where there was this push to like who can deliver the most like realism type of right. experience. Uh, but then you start to get a pushback a little bit too, where it's like, you don't need to be exactly fully real. And I think that's kind of almost what Zelda did a little bit where, you know, they were getting 3d, they were, you know, getting more feature advanced. Yeah. And then they took a risk and did something like wind waker, mm. which visually I can't stand it. I, I do not like <laughs> that art style <laughs> the cell shaded yeah yeah i don't i don't like it yeah uh, but it is story-wise it's one of the best zelda games out there right um and then they went back to their more um sort of realistic uh character design with twilight princess mm-hmm. and i was like yes i'm on board that's one of my favorites right uh and then you have something like breath of the wild where it's a little blend mm-hmm. it's more of a blend of the two yeah um, which I think functionally works great. I completely agree. And and I think um, 
you know, for and we've discussed this before. Like I, my, for me, I think the pinnacle of what a video game is exists somewhere in that like weird liminal space between like sixteen and thirty-two bit. Like some of the late sixteen-bit games that you saw on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, I think that's to me that's video game, right? Like there's a clear distinction between reality and diversion. You know, like a, a, to me, video games are somewhat akin to a board game in that I feel like they should be sort of like goofy looking on right on the face, right? Like Monopoly, if you ever actually like open up the board and really stare at it for a minute, it's pretty stupid. You're like, what? What is this crazy bullshit? Um, and in the same way, I think that that's what, in my opinion, that's what video games should be. You should look at it. And if you really take a moment to like critically think about Samus Aran or uh, you know Link in these brightly colored, oddly sprited areas, you're like, what? What is this? This is just weird. Um, but I like that weirdness and the hyper realism that like modern gen consoles are are pushing. I don't know why I don't I I don't find that attractive. I just wonder. Where's the story? And I, I don't think that the two necessarily have to be separate. Like, The Last of Us, from what I understand, is supposed to be, like, a devastatingly phenomenal story. And it also looks pretty awesome in uh, in some of its uprising. But I don't know. Yeah. it's uh, If you can do both, fantastic. Great. Is that a shit ton of memory? Yep. Yep. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> that, that would be uh, many floppy disks. Many, many floppy disks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you know, the uh, one of my favorite video game experiences of all time still is playing Baldur's Gate for the first time. And, and I, it was a birthday gift the year that I got my very first laptop. Um, I will never forget having Baldur's Gate as my video game. And uh, being amazed by the fact that it was six CDs. And, like, that blew my mind. I was like, this game is on six CDs? This is crazy. Look at how huge this game is. It's on six CDs. Um, but now, like, in retrospect, I'm like, it, it, it's not actually that big. Uh, it's something that they could slap on a just a single disc anymore. I don't even think it would have to be a Blu-ray. I think you could put it on a DVD. Um it just the, the the amount that games have the, by the scope that they have expanded by is startling. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up Baldur's Gate because I actually meant to tell you a few weeks back. Um, Baldur's Gate three is coming. Yeah, coming um, in August. I I have mixed feelings about Baldur's Gate three. Um, just in the fact that it exists as what it is, because it, anybody who's and I'm gonna like get super nerdy here for a second, but anybody who has played. The original Baldur's Gate saga, which was Baldur's Gate, its expansion, Tales of the Sword Coast, Baldur's Gate 2, The Shadows of Om, and its expansion, which is often just referred to as, not referred to as Baldur's Gate 3, but is kind of considered the end of the trilogy, The Throne of Baal. So people consider the original trilogy Baldur's Gate, The Shadows of Om, and The Throne of Baal. Those, those games tell a very complete story arc, and... When you reach the end of the throne of Ball, you will understand there is nowhere else to take this story. Like it is, it reaches a perfect, absolute zenith epoch. It's, it, it is phenomenal. Baldur's Gate Three is set in the city of Baldur's Gate. It has no connection to the other storyline beyond it's set in the city of Baldur's Gate, and so I, I guess I am. I'm like, I feel like calling it Baldur's Gate 3 insinuates that it is some way 
connected to the ball spawn era, which is what the Baldur's Gate, the original series, was all about. And it's not. It has nothing to do with it. It tells a completely unique story. I'm sure it, it, it is going to have some pretty awesome stuff woven into it. I am conflicted on the fact that it's just called Baldur's Gate 3, and I think it should be much clearer that it's like a, a sub-entry. Well, I mean, it looks like it's going to be pretty in-depth. Uh, downside is I think it's only going to PlayStation. That's not, weird. I'm not entirely sure, like PlayStation or PC. Um once again, Xbox is getting screwed. Which is so weird because the original Baldur's Gate was a uh, a PC game. These relationships change, man. They sure do. Hey, that's enough of the nerd stuff. Yeah. Should we, <laughs> should we pivot and get into uh, what's going on in our neck of the woods? Yeah. Um, I have a follow-up to last week's episode. Go for it. Um, we talked briefly about Guardians of the Galaxy, and much yes. like I said, I, I did see the movie, and... You know, it was enjoyable. A good capstone to that trilogy. I've, I've started uh, reading the comic. Yeah, you started reading the... Uh, the actual, yeah. and From 2008, right? Is that where you started? Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, I, I decided if I'm going to get into any comic, I feel like this is one that is probably suited for me, uh, like, just in terms of my interests. So, how did you find the movie? Uh, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> it, it, it really was it was it's a it's a heavy film um uh, but i wanted to come back to uh you know last week we mused why you know if if he ever used starman david bowie starman yep in the films i was like i feel like that's a missed opportunity uh well it turns out james gunn recently he did a, a, a twitter q a okay Basically, he was like i got some time to kill i'm waiting for da 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 i'll answer like yes or no questions for a little while and so there's a big whole thread of questions that people ask him and he you know he answered yes or no and uh turns out someone asked him if he ever considered using starman he was like no he was very particular like almost all the music he wanted to use in his movies he got to use i think there was one exception okay uh but otherwise he he was very particular about what songs he wanted to use and being able to to get them Okay. Which was really cool. And yeah. So, uh, and Star, Starman was not one of them. Starman was not at any point one that, that he wanted to use. Interesting. No. Bummer. Yeah. I, um, I, I definitely, because <laughs> after, we, after we recorded that episode, I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I've seen the Guardians movies. I'm going to go back and uh, give them a, uh, another, another pass. I am probably on the outside in that I find the second one the better of the first two, um, I thought okay. that I thought it told a, I thought it told a more self-contained story, and I thought its emotional resonance was a lot stronger. Um, whereas the first one was very much tied into the Infinity Saga, and at, at the time that I saw the first one, especially because I saw the first one in theaters back in fourteen, I think is yeah. when it came out. Yeah, um, I I like my experiences with Marvel up until the MCU were X Men and um, the Fantastic Four, largely. And so I really had no concept of the Infinity Saga. I didn't know what I was watching. And so, um, like, I thought the Guardians were cool, but I was like, I, I don't get how this, you know, in any way ties into everything else. Now I can go back and be like, oh, this is, this is kind of a big deal. Um, but, uh, so I went back and rewatched because it's, it's been a while. And Ziggy Stardust 
is in the first one. And I think I made a comment in our recording last week that nothing from the Ziggy Stardust album made it into the first movie, and that's patently incorrect. So apologize, listeners. We we will admit (laughs) when we get something in error. We We will acknowledge it. We have... We have no qualms. Yes. No. We if 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 uh, we uh, screwed that up, you'll be the yeah. first. You'll you'll hear it here. So we we do apologize that reality chose not to conform itself to our perceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that's uh that that's the meaning behind uh, when a lot of people will apologize for something and it's not really an apology. That's what they're saying. Right. <laughs> I'm yes. Sorry that reality was inconsiderate. Was yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but you liked you liked Volume Three. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I went to see it, and she was like, "I'm glad I saw it. I will never watch it again." Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I, I, it's they're they're long. They're long. It, it has to do with the content of the film. Is oh. stuff that's definitely not up her alley. And gotcha. I, I knew that going in. Okay. I kind of warned her. I was like, I'm not sure how you're going to deal with this movie because based on the trailers and stuff, I was like, there's some stuff in here that you really struggle with. Well, because, I mean, a lot of it has to do with Rocket Raccoon's uh, origin story, and he has a pretty tragic origin story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spoiler. It's it's dealing with a character uh, called the High Evolutionary. Yeah. Uh, which my introduction to him was actually a Spider-Man cartoon in the late 90s that lasted like 13 episodes because it wasn't very good uh, <laughs> but Spider-Man chases the symbiotes to a counter earth okay that is uh, run by the high evolutionary and all these like anthropomorphic animals gotcha um, and nobody knows what to make of Spider-Man because they don't know that he's a human oh interesting so they think he's ostensibly just like them but he's acting all weird <laughs> uh, so the, the story never it, you never get deep enough into the uh the story of the high evolutionary because again it's only 13 episodes sure um, but it was a, an interesting attempt for the animation to do something different mm-hmm. and uh in that one high evolutionary is a big bearded white guy <laughs> very consistent with you know what our ideas of early god was you know yes <laughs> yeah. yes very much uh too so, funny anyway, so our there's our our uh, retraction concerning yep. guardians the the guardians music yeah well i'm glad you enjoyed the movie i i'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah I, I i i don't think there's anything else marvel related i'm super looking forward to jazz from for this point yeah i am i have a little bit of that fatigue you're talking about i am looking forward to into the spider-verse okay uh, but that's not mcu right um so yeah I it, it i and i don't know if it's because they they haven't had as consistent of a through storyline or if it really is just i mean it's content overload um you know when we were talking about how you've introduced your son to phase one and like, I can name the phase one movies literally on one hand. Cause it's Iron Man one and two Thor, Captain America, the Avengers. That was it. Like I keep forgetting the incredible Hulk. It's fine. It's, is it really, it's there in continuity. It's there. He I references know. it later. Uh, those other characters do show up 
later. It's There's true. a bonus scene where Stark walks into the bar and talks to Ross a little bit. It's, uh, it's all connected. It's true. All and right. He's a beautiful Hulk. He, I mean, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, okay. So you got the Incredible Hulk in there as well. E- either way, very, very tight, concise, like you know everything that goes into the storylines that lead up to the first Avengers movie. It starts to get a little scattered by phase two. Um, phase three, I struggle with naming everybody or all the films that show up in that one. And, and now in phase four, like because it's not it explodes. It explodes right. in phase three. Yeah, exactly. It, it it's it, and and phase four has been nothing but just like we're just all, all we're gonna do is a bunch of introductions with no real idea of what the the stakes of the universe are anymore. Yeah, there are like three movies that take place at roughly the same time. Jeez. Uh, between Captain America: Civil War. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Infinity War. Yep. Y- you get you get a whole bunch of new characters in their own films right at the same time. And, and I and I do think like Marvel should be starting to ask itself: Does every one of these characters need a movie? Because I I think if there was any lesson or takeaway from Ant Man Quantumania, it was maybe he didn't need his own movie series. Those are fun movies, though. They're they're fine, but if I am a business, if I'm business minded at Marvel, and I'm like, how do we how? Do, and I feel like being business minded is part of what's like killing it is they're they're just trying to get as much money out of the MCU as they possibly can. I guess I, I guess if I, if I were a creative story editor and I was like, tell me what the full story is of this universe. And I was looking for places to trim. There are side characters that I think objectively just didn't need some of the movies that they got. Like, honestly, if it weren't for the fact that it introduced one of the Infinity Stones, Thor in the Dark World, probably a completely unnecessary film. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. And, and I mean, even Thor Ragnarok, which is a lot of fun, really just kind of sets up how, like, bringing the Hulk back into the universe and, uh, and, and like, how... Like, wh- I'm trying to remember what else Ragnarok accomplished. Well, Ragnarok was the destruction of Asgard. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. That led that's, to that's, him being adrift, and yeah. I feel like there was other ways to get Thanos involved, but I'll give you that. Sure, but I mean, it, it, Thanos doesn't show up until sure. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, that's it's very much its own, like kind of standalone. Yeah. Exactly. Story, and they just they I, I think they stopped writing stories. That's, you know, like uh, everything is just an introduction and a setup. Like, where is where is the the story within you? And I, I guess that's the that's the if there's anything that's in my craw this week, it's where's the story? <laughs> you know, like where's the story? I don't care about your video game visuals. Where's the story? What's the game? <laughs> well, and what's the story in America these days? Uh, what? Uh, so I, I wanted to. I wanted to, there, there's two things that have been like on my mind. One, and I just I noticed this just out walking my dog the other day. We have a flag fetish in the United States, and it's it's not just American flags, although it is predominantly American flags. People fly flags all over the place. There's uh like I I it, I was reflecting on it as I was walking by. The coronation just happened, right? Mm-hmm. 
and I saw somebody who had a Union Jack flying outside their apartment on the day of the coronation. And the That's the ver- basically treason, I, I believe. <laughs> in, in, in today's day and age, yeah. Um, I, but the very cynical part of me was like, uh, "What is your connection to like British culture and or the royal family?" And and the the fact of the matter is that individual could have like immigrated here from the UK. They might have family that they're very close to. Like I don't know that person's full story. But the the very judgmental, <laughs> harsh part of me immediately switched to, "Why the hell do you have a British flag flying on the like? What does the coronation actually mean to you?" That and I and I think the the reason that I was so cynical about it is i could still see the fold lines from where they had just recently unpackaged it you know like this was not a well-worn flag it was this was brand new just for the coronation there's a lot of ukrainian flags flying around the the neighborhoods and and i get it like we're you know people want to show solidarity with the ukrainian people i i'm just like why do we have to put up a flag as often as people in america do And, and it comes down to even my memories of the pledge of allegiance you know, where you would stand as a child, put your hand over your heart, look at the American flag, and just kind of like mumble through a bunch of words that you didn't really understand. You know what I'm saying? No, if you dissect the Pledge of Allegiance right now, um, I find it hella ridiculous. It's because strange. Because you say, I pledge allegiance to the flag yes. of the United States of America. Oh, and to the Republic for which it's And to the nice. Republic for which it's It's like, no, I'm going to protect this flag first. First. Yeah. And that's that's that almost is exactly it. It's like people are protective of these... Very odd symbols that I'm like, what what does that actually symbolize? Well, think of uh, in, in, in terms of uh, war. Yeah. Uh, it was always paramount to have to keep the standard up, keep the flag up, because it means yes. you were not conquered. Sure. As long as your flag was still there. I think so, that's in our anthem. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> the, the, the symbol is like, as long as your nation's flag is still standing, you are not conquered. And we will not be conquered. Not well, and that's, there's a remote chance of that in the first place, but anyway. yeah, and, I, and that's the thing is, why does it seem like we exist in a constant stance of wartime footing? Where people feel like they must always have a flag flying to show that they are like unconquered, like... I, I don't know. I guess I'm I fall more into the category of Teddy Roosevelt, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Like Well, his big stick had a flag on it. Did it? Probably. Did it? I don't was, this man was super patriotic, okay? I, don't get it twisted. Uh, I realize that. I also feel like his like uh, super patriotism came in a form of confidence that he was like I don't need to have star-spangled underwear. Right? Like I I think that's like the the weirdness to me is it gets to a place where it it almost looks performative, right? Like the 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 amount of flags that Americans love to fly really, really strikes me as a performative act and less I, I just I, I I wonder about the sincerity of like what does this actually mean to you? Uh it means freedom, sir. <laughs> it means freedom. And as we know, there's a major law that's like you cannot burn or deface or destroy the flag that uh, that's that's not true that's that's literally covered by free speech flag burning is completely legal well shit yeah it's like <laughs> it is it's it, it's not recommended obviously because you're going to piss off a lot of people but it is legal it's covered by freedom of speech who made these rules <laughs> talk to somebody i mean there so there's there's like 
rules around how to properly and appropriately display the flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it, and, and, and even these are things that most people like just absolutely don't abide most of the time. Like you're technically not supposed to leave the flag out in the rain from what I understand. I think, I think that's like, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very strange to me. Like the, 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 again, the fetishization of flags in the United States. Cause I, from what I understand, it's one of the things that people who visit here from other countries find most striking about the u.s is you have flags everywhere why are there fucking flags everywhere because i mean our i will say so much of our culture is tied into uh patriotism it is like what does it mean to be an american it means you're american okay thank you for the redundancy but i i think that's that's a perfect that, that perfectly encapsulates it though is is i I do think that, oh God, this is going to sound like crazy meta. Um, (laughs) I really do believe that the majority of Americans have like lost sight of what it means to be an American. And, um, and and I I mean this in a very broad sense. I'm not talking about like liberals or, you know, especially counting myself as among, um, I I think even if anything, especially on the conservative side, there is a forgotten value uh that that went along with what it meant to be american and part of that was shared sacrifice and part of that was um humility and part of that was uh you know openness and acceptance and i think that we don't have any of those values in a lot of uh our our culture today I, i don't i don't see evidence of that um, and maybe part of that is being uh, terminally online, and and I need to get out uh, and touch grass a little bit more. Um, but the the patriotism that is at the core of uh, of being an American to me very much seems like the Ouroboros that you just referenced. Being an American means being an American, and I don't know that people can really define like what that means beyond it. But they've made it so like core to their identity that they don't even know who they themselves are. Well, and it, I, I think that's why it's it's kind of useful to look at other countries and see what their perception of us is. Right. Because, uh, spoiler, some of it's not real good. It's not great. <laughs> I, I, I once saw it... Uh very unfortunately, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm gonna like tag Florida again, and I know I know you don't like it when I do this, but uh, somebody from um, one of the Western European countries, like England or Scotland, said, "You know how your country looks at Florida? That's how the rest of the world looks at the United States." Ooh. And I was like, "That's that's not great." <laughs> well, you know, uh, Emmanuel Macron recently he yeah. was at an EU something or other. Sure. And he, he says something to the effect of like, we need to stop looking to the United States to like be a voice in like all these things. And I don't know how much of that was him being butthurt about the submarine agreement. that we're uh, Yeah. Out of. Still, they're still pretty pissed about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The French can hold a grudge, man. I hate, they, really hate. <laughs> they, they're really good at that. Right. Uh, but, and, but also how much of that is, arguably legitimate well and i think if if it weren't for the fact that we have so many double standards you know like that we hold the world to a high standard that we ourselves are not necessarily willing to like live up to um and uh were it not for that fact uh then i'd be like come on macron like 
you know, we, we do good shit in the world, but I, I, we also do a lot of like really bad shit. And unfortunately, the United States is not the first to uh, admit its, its mistakes. It often has to be dragged kicking and screaming into admitting its own mistakes. And that does, it's, it's just not a good place to be if you want to hold some sort of moral high ground in the world. Uh, I don't think we like being oppressed by your moral high ground. Uh, <laughs> we came, we formed this country to be free from oppression. Uh-huh. How's, uh, uh, how's your book bands in Florida going, Josh? I don't know. Oh, you want to talk about book bands? Let's talk about <laughs> book bands. Uh, yeah. Pivot, I came across this. Uh, you remember okay. a few weeks we joked. We joked uh, about like dictionaries and encyclopedias. Yeah. Being being banned. Right. Uh, because they have, you know, content that's not really appropriate for children, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, I came across <laughs> this headline recently. Okay. Uh, dated May 2nd. Uh, okay. West Virginia bans the dictionary. Ryan, we joked about this. <laughs> this comes from, uh, this comes from, I, I think it's called the Demos Tribune. Okay. And yeah, it's an article uh, about uh, there was there was a bill introduced into the state legislature about banning the dictionary. Um, I don't know if they said like if a specific dictionary. Is, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see anything about this. Um, but there were they, and again they're talking about like there's all these words that are not suitable. Yeah, I, I actually I just I just found the article and it looks like that it actually. It also encompasses the thesaurus, which I mean, I guess that that stands to reason, uh, and several uh, volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. See, so at least they're specific on that one. They're like Encyclopedia Britannica. Get it right. out of here. Exactly. Yes, um, but only a, a couple of volumes: S, Q, E, T, and D, uh, apparently, according to which this is article. so bizarre. Like we joked about this. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I know. It's it's almost like. This article was written based on a, a joke that that we brought up. Why do you say that? I I don't. It just it you know it seems so uh, it seems so very uh, uh, you know it it it's it's uh, like uh, life vaguely imitating article va- vaguely satirical maybe maybe you know not a hundred percent in the uh, maybe this isn't all the way on the up and up maybe you maybe think so some of it was made up. Oh. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah, I, I I mean I don't know. It's uh, I mean this quote is is from let's see we got we got a we got a quote from Representative Roger Hanshaw from the West Virginia State House, which according to the article by the these are not my words these are the words of the Demos Tribune. Uh, quote him as saying his first point I don't understand all these words like really I don't know what most of the words in the dictionary mean, <laughs> so why do we need them? We don't. If we don't need them, you don't need them. That's basic freedom at work. <laughs> and point B. Oh, I like that he says first point and then point B. That's that's some good Home Alone humor in there. A great many of the words in the so-called dictionary represent a very peculiar moral hazard for the impressionable minds of young children everywhere. I don't want them to be exposed to this nonsense, and I think it's offensive that anyone else would either. Uh, I mean, it sounds like something might someone might say. He's the speaker. He's the speaker of the house in, in West Virginia. <laughs> Can the speaker introduce a bill? I'm pretty sure they can. Oh. 
I should probably do more research the next time I make up an article. <laughs> yeah, by the way, folks, the Demos Tribune is totally not legitimate. Uh, it's it's absolutely not. No, it's, <laughs> this is one of Ryan's many side projects. It's it's a goofy little pet project that I put together. That's a satirical news uh, newsletter. And after we had the conversation about banning the dictionary, I was like, too good, too good not to use. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, I've been hitting, um, un- unfortunately, because Texas and Florida have been doing a lot of egregious things lately, I've been hitting them extra hard, and I was like, I need a state that I haven't made fun of often recently, and uh, uh, West Virginia um, decided to ban the dictionary in, uh, in a pretty recent article, as published and reported by the Demos Tribune. <laughs> That's not to say that someone hasn't tried, we just don't know about it. So I I will say this is this, this is this has been fun. Um, the, I do have a reader of the Demos Tribune who actually liked it enough that uh, this reader wanted to submit their own article. Oh, that's uh, cool. And it, I I loved the article. They nailed the formula that I use. Um, so I was like, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we we recently uh, posted a uh, a story from a contributing writer in our international bureau. And uh, they wrote a very compelling story about how Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau apologized for the coronation in England. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Canadian. (laughs) And the the quote that they wrote was so good, too. It's, It's Trudeau's speech was. Canada and the entire Commonwealth have gathered here today to witness the coronation of King Charles III, and on behalf of all Canadians, I would like to apologize. It is with deep regret that I stand before you today, and I am sorry. We need to have genuine, patient, and transparent dialogue with where our impacted communities, and my message to those who we have wronged is clear. We hear and acknowledge your suffering, and we'll do everything we can to move forward on a path to a better future for all citizens of the Commonwealth. We can do better, and for that, I must apologize. (laughs) God, that's that's perfect. Isn't that so excellent? I was like, this is great. So, uh, yeah, so, I I have contributing writers now. <laughs> if this kind of humor interests you guys, it's uh, demostribune.substack.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, demos as in the moon of, from Mars. D-E-I-M-O-S Tribune. Uh, we can get around people claiming that Ryan has a big ego because I'm the one plugging it, not him. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. He can't plug it; it's his own thing. Yeah, I, I really can't. No, it's uh, it's it, it's it's just a goofy little like passion project. That anytime something pisses me off in the news, I throw something. I try and publish at least once a day to it. Um, some days I miss, but some days I get three uh, out. But yeah, it's it, if you're if you're looking for a lighter take on uh, politics uh, and current events. Um, I mean, Eminem just got sued by Universal Music Group because he sounds too much like Eminem, according to the Demos Tribune. So uh, they went the copyright plagiarism route and tried to take down Eminem for sounding like Eminem. Oh, man. That's messed, up. That's messed up. How dare he? How dare he? I know, right? I wonder what Marshall Mathers has to say about that. Uh, I don't think Marshall Mathers was quoted in this one, but we might do a follow-up piece. <laughs> Um, in some good book banning news, yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw out of Illinois, mm-hmm. um, they are set to become the first state to end book bans. 
So God. they're going the opposite route where there's a bill that says they would withhold state funding from any public or school libraries that remove books from their shelves. That's really good to hear. Yes. However, here's the quote in this okay. article from Politico. Here's the quote from the governor. Yeah. In Illinois, we don't hide from the truth. We embrace it and lead with it. Let's. This is Illinois. <laughs> in Illinois, we don't hide from the truth. Are you sure? You certainly do try in general. Uh, but okay. In, in, in terms of books, we get what you're trying to say here. But someone should have proofread that and been like, oh, you know what? Um <laughs> someone's gonna jump down our throat on this one someone uh, might someone might have further thoughts what are you talking about do you not remember the corruption you're involved with sir uh yep well, it's not great what's today <laughs> yeah what, what is exactly yeah <laughs> uh, but yes banning books is a devastating attempt to erase our history and authentic stories of many uh it has already passed the state senate okay and it was approved in the house so um, I I think it's good to go. Okay. Um, but this is you know this is a blue state reactions to what red states are doing, and and we're seeing more and more of this where um, blue states are passing laws to specifically protect certain things that we're seeing red straight red states put additional restrictions on, um, which is a. I feel like it. We're we're headed for some fundamentally weird entanglements as far as that goes. It's, I don't know, I, but at least that's some, that's some good news. Yes, that's very good news. That's that's a step in the right direction. I don't have a book of the week. There's a ton of books I've been catching up on. Uh, just in my own personal reading list. Okay. So it has, what are you reading right now? Uh, man, I am going through... So I just wrapped up rereading The Aeronaut's Windlass from Jim Butcher. Okay. Because uh, his second installment in that series is finally coming out in the fall. I'm like, thank Christ, it's been... He, he almost went George R.R. R. Martin on that series. <laughs> <laughs> it was a few years. Uh, the book's pretty funny. It's it's kind of like a, a steampunk fantasy world. Uh, okay. They have airships that are powered by these crystals, and uh, it's uh, kind of neat. Like the surface world doesn't is is like a super dangerous place. So people live in these spires, and um, it centers around this uh, this privateer, basically. Uh huh. Um, what I really like though is he writes cats in this universe like cats are an entity in this universe that has their own station of, in society okay and like they talk yeah but only but you have to learn how to speak and understand cat and everything and nice it's hysterical yeah. because the the cat characters they are such fucking cats <laughs> like they are cats through and through uh, and it's it's just fantastic to see this written out. Uh, but I, I finished up reading that. I'm, I'm working on a book that should help us deliver better podcast content. Oh, cool. Uh, and then I've got a bunch of library books I'm working through. I finally got Brave New World. Nice. To start reading through. Nice. And uh, 
but all these it always happens i have like a wait list at the library Uh. and they all come up at the same time (laughs) naturally even when my hold is are weeks apart right uh it just miraculously happens like within two days they're all ready to borrow i'm like okay well i'm an avid reader but still i only have so much time yeah yeah Uh, but i wanted to talk about um did i talk about it last week did i did we talk about anne frank we we mentioned it okay because um, I had to double check, and yeah, I only read the script okay. for Anne Frank in high school. So I realized I've actually never read the Diary of Anne Frank. Properly. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I might go read that. Yeah. Um, a a book, well, I'll say a writer that is banned in Florida schools, and this one I can, I can actually largely support, hmm. is, uh, her name is Sarah J. Mass. Uh, M A A. She's like the queen of fantasy. Well, she might. I mean, in current day, she might be. Right. Um, her. I've read two of her book series. Okay. Um, there, there's one I haven't read yet that I think is probably one of her most popular ones, which is why I haven't read it yet because uh, the book has like a 13 week wait list all the gotcha. time. <laughs> Very frustrating. Uh, but uh, her series, they're they're fantasy. They feature. Uh, female protagonists mm-hmm. and uh, the, the worlds she's created are amazing. Right. And they deal with supernatural characters and like the Fae and that's all right up my alley. Um, but reason why I support it not being in a school, maybe high school, but really that would depend on your own current uh, values and how liberal they are. Mm. Um, there's a lot of sex in her books. Well, like it- a lot. And and so we can like temporarily like table the the moral because I I think that that gets into some dicey territory, um, but because then you're then you're you're basically saying there is a scale on which I'm okay with a book ban and I think that 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 gets into just weird territory. But putting that aside for the the moment, Sarah J. Mass is very much what I think is it's it's a if not emerging absolutely incipient or maybe we're just there the genre romanticy so they are romance novels like the harlequin romance of like you know the mid 90s but the the centerpiece is a fantasy world so instead of you know fabio riding down the beach on a horse in modern settings it is yeah the, the fairy folk and uh you know elves and and a the 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 setting itself is fantasy but the focus is very much it, it they're romance novels yeah yeah i would say they they are um and all the emotions are completely valid in the stories sure but like there's a lot of this that like it's a sex scene for the sake of being a sex scene it, that that's why i'm saying it these are they are romance novels like it's it, it i and i know that it's i i'm sure that i'll get pushback from uh, fans of Sarah J. Mass who will say that you know it's about the the story and and all that. Again, though, I, I I think that if there is if the sex is that prevalent, <laughs> it's it it is genre romance subgenre fantasy. Right, but my you know but my point here is like uh, I don't know how I would feel about that being in the school library and my kid coming home with it and reading it. I'm like, uh, okay. So uh, then 
we're going to have to have a talk about this book. <laughs> right. And, and I guess that that is the, the question then is, isn't that then and we've we've discussed this in previous episode, a, a an opportunity to engage with your child about like what they're choosing to read and whether or not it's it's the correct rather than taking it completely off the library shelves and removing that choice for everybody else. Shouldn't it be something that you uh, one on one with your child say, hey, do you think that this is the right thing for you to be consuming? Do you understand like the, the topics that are at hand here? Things like that. Which is a valid question, uh, but for myself, I don't know. Yeah. And in something like that, I see the argument for flagging book titles and having a discussion about a book in a library. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, you need to actually know what the book is. Like, you need to have exposed yourself to the book, read the book, understand the book not be like that one guy that's just like oh, i'm just you know picking books out of a hat and banning them right i and and i and i definitely agree with that i still i i'm i'm always going to be on the side of bands in general are the wrong direction um because it, it it does fundamentally impact the freedom of everybody else Right. Mm. If you say I don't want this book on the shelf because I'm not comfortable with my kid reading it, that's and, and you may not be, and that's perfectly fine. That's again the individual right of the parent to decide what their child can or cannot read. I don't think that the answer is politicians and and these like these uh, political bodies deciding. You know what? No, we're not going to have these books uh, in uh, in in libraries. Um, it, I, I, I just always think that a ban is a step in the wrong direction um, because it, it does take away the ability for everybody else to choose whether or not they, they want their, their kids to be able to access those books. Fair. That's fair. I would put my trust in the librarian. Sure. Like actual librarians. And, and, that's, a, and, and that's probably a good place to, to begin is librarians do tend to be more... But now there's like... No, we're going to get super political, but like now people think that librarians are trying to indoctrinate children and are going to steer them towards, you know, what? Yeah, I know. What? No, unacceptable. Exactly. I'm getting my flag. <laughs> I, I, I almost wonder if the answer um, isn't that eventually books are going to have like you'll have to submit books to a an association like the MPAA. And they'll have ratings on them, um, you know, like like a movie might, based on you know the the content uh, of uh, the book. Well, you know. they, they do. It's called adult fiction, young adult reader, juvenile fiction. Sure. There you go. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay. A, a Sarah J. Mass book should not end up in the kids section. Uh, I well, and I think there's nothing. Misfiling. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, Daddy, can we get this book? Well, it's so cute. No, this is the this is the fairy sex book. What? Yes, and and I think I I think you're completely that absolutely right. Like, there's no reason for Sarah. J., there's no reason for George R. R. Martin to end up in the children's section, or really, you know, George R. R. Martin shouldn't end up in like even juvenile or young adult section. His writing is one; it's just less accessible, but also sex and violence every other page right like it's just yes. it, it that's another one that um god i could almost make an argument for martin's work being romanticy 
if it weren't for the fact that people die so horribly so often. It's there's not enough sex. You need a bit more. That's true. Sex in the books and a bit more descriptive. Yeah. Uh, I think the violence is more descriptive than the sex is. That's that's probably I'm gonna, a good. I'm going to write him a letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make these changes to Winds of Winter if that's ever still coming. Right. Uh <laughs> But I mean truly those, you know, it's it's about where the books are filed. You know, and I, that's I'm much more comfortable with saying, you know, keep Sarah J. Mass in the library. Um, just make sure that she's in adult fiction. That's where she should belong anyway. Right. But if you're in a high school library, it's it's all adult fiction. Again, this this is then more about, a you know, a, a conversation among, uh, you know, the, the parents and the kids about what the parents believe the children are, are ready for. I still think we do most kids a terrible disservice in assuming that they are they, they don't have the emotional maturity to handle certain topics. I don't think that Sarah J. Mass is particularly written in a way that would be accessible to uh, elementary or junior high students in the first place. So I'm not sure that they could even like grapple with that subject matter she's Um, very easy to read okay so it's yeah like the the, some of those books of hers are quite thick but like they're written you can get through it pretty quick okay but isn't the whole purpose of high school to be preparing kids for adulthood and if you're hiding shit from them at that age doesn't that actually kind of say more about like i i think at that point we really are depriving kids of an opportunity to begin to step into an adult world by shielding them from certain subject matter. I have to protect my child. <laughs> I have to protect my child. I will always protect my child. Here's my flag. I know, and and and, and again, Don't tread I tread on me <laughs> or my flag or your flag. No, I, and I, and I totally appreciate that. You know that instinct to to want to protect the child. I think that there's just after a certain point, you can't you can't protect even yourself from the world right like sure yeah anyway sure but you want to guide them we're back to the same thing where it's like parents need to step up it's sure their part in guiding and not trying to force your kid to be a certain way and that's right because that, kids Ex- are gonna be kids and like they're they're fucking hellions and they're never gonna do what you want them to do. <laughs> uh, and you shouldn't try to force them you should just tried to guide them to be who they're going to be in the best and most well-informed way possible. And the key to that is to have more books, less flags. I I mean, that is, that is very much my opinion on the matter. More books, less flags. I 100% can get behind that philosophy. That being said, I do keep a pirate flag in my car. (laughs) Why do you have a pirate flag in your car? (laughs) Uh, Because it's mine and I want it there. Fair Um, enough. That's I, that's I your freedom. I, ha- I wish I could hang it. Um, that's that is your freedom, sir. It is a glorious flag. Yeah, it, it's the uh, the old traditional Jolly Rogers with the is it the the crossbones or is it the two swords like the black pearls? He is a uh, he's crossbones. He's got a red bandana. Gotcha. Very nice. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty dope. Privateers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's this episode of Morning Radio. Maybe my final episode. We don't know. Uh, apparently, this this is our sweet sixteen. This is uh, episode number sixteen, Josh, Ooh. and and you you're already dipping out. No, and you said you're reading a book to give us better content too. Like we're trying to make it better for the people, and already I'm losing my co-host. What, what, I'm what sorry. The I there are greater things. I have to save Zelda again. Again, Zelda. You know what? Maybe Zelda for one. I mean, I, she's not Princess Peach. She's not getting kidnapped by a salad. 
Um, but uh, she is, you know, may- maybe she could just stay out of the way. Right? You know? I'd like, what the hell? Or is this on Link? That he, like, he so ineffectively saves her so often that she keeps getting recaptured. Like, well, because I think Link's not a great communicator. Link if is not a just, great communicator. If you would just open up more. Maybe use some words instead talk. of, yeah! <laughs> I've, I, I'm, I'm still going on record that the best sound effect Link has ever made is when he drowns in uh, the up version of Link's Awakening and he does <laughs> it is a very funny way of drowning it's a very funny way of drowning <laughs> yeah. drowning's not funny drowning is not funny yeah we shouldn't apologize to anyone who might be sensitive to that yes <laughs> good point <laughs> but video game characters drowning very funny, very funny. objectively wonderful we did it I think so too uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you again for joining us this week. Uh, as always, like, subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a note, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, anything to you know help other people find us. Uh, we appreciate it. If you enjoy us, uh, please pass along the word. We'll see you next time, guys. See you next week.